Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management. On WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday the 18th. My name is Danny Clayton. Hello, Dave Spano. Nice to see you, Danny. Hey, good to be back. And uh, Mark Oswald, you too? Oh, good morning, as usual. A week ago, was Turkey even a glimmer in our eyes? Where It was in the news, right? But was it the factor that it looked like it was going to affect last week? Well, it did. It, it became a story in the short term. And we see stories like this, that you know, there was a currency issue and what was going to happen with Turkey. But this seems to be a theme that we have seen particularly in August over a number of years. And we can go all the way back to the Grexit conversation where Greece was going to exit the EU. And, and we've seen this during the summer. I am always suspicious when we see stories like this during August because volume is light. A lot of the traders are taking some time off. They're traveling. They're on a holiday, if you will. And also you start to get these stories that are tangential to really what's going on. So I did see it. Uh, it looks like that story may have passed because they look like they got some funding, Mark, to make sure that that doesn't happen. Well, I think it's always curious because when you think about it, if you were really honest with yourself as a listener, and even as an investment advisor, if you really were honest with yourself a month ago, did you even know what the currency of Turkey was? And you, you, so you, you take this event that is going to ultimately be a non-event, we believe, and you turn it into something that affects the stock market. It takes you off your game. You get away from the fundamentals. And it's whether it's trade with China or the Turkish currency or whatever it is, there are events that are going around on around the world that do have impact on the U.S. markets, but it's at the end of the day, Dave, about the fundamentals. It really is, and before we leave that point, I think you touched on some things that, you know, we had we had a couple of really good days this week, in fact, a 400-point day on Thursday, and part of that was because exactly that you pointed, Mark, is that NAFTA, which is the North yep. American Free Trade Agreement, the trade agreement between Canada and Mexico and the United States, it looks like there's progress, particularly with Mexico. It looks like the EU conversation that is happening, that that has made some progress. And there's a possibility that China is going to come to the table. Those were the three things that were roiling the market. If those, if we start to see some clearer skies with that, maybe we can go back to talk about what you're talking about, which is improving valuations. And that has been the story as earnings have increased throughout this year, Mark. That's a good summary because that's exactly what we're getting to is at the end of the day, it's about the fundamentals of the companies that make up the mutual funds and the ETFs that we own. And whether they're bond ETFs or whether they're stock ETFs, they're impacted by the fundamentals. At the end of the day, how much do the companies in that mutual fund make? How much do they make on the top line? How much do they make on the bottom line? What were those earnings, and how did that impact the stock? And what we're seeing, Danny, is that those earnings have been excellent. We saw last quarter 25% increase. We saw another 20% in the following quarter and anticipated that we're going to see that in Q3 and Q4. That's phenomenal growth. When these things roll in, do we then start to see how they stack up in sectors? Some sectors better than others, some 
strong, some not? Absolutely. So, you know, for instance, you look at uh, retail sales. We had some numbers from Macy's and Best Buy and Walmart, and, and those numbers were really good. Walmart's, you know, when they look at their sales growth on a year-over-year basis, their sales growth was the best they've had in a decade. It's funny because Macy's came in and was not good, and then the next day, wham, here comes Walmart. Yeah, no doubt. And the, they're different uh, retailers, of course. But when you're talking about Walmart, you're talking about the consumer. You're talking about people who are doing their everyday shopping. When we look at a company like Walmart, we say, if your growth is good, that means the economy as a whole, generally speaking, is doing pretty well. The consumer is doing pretty well. We know where unemployment is right now. We know where consumer spending is. And if consumer spending is a part of GDP, GDP and it's growing, that means the economy is also growing. One of the things in the Walmart story was how much they were putting into the business. Is that the CapEx that we hear about? Well, that's part of it. And, you know, when people think about Walmart, they don't think about Amazon, right? Because you think they're different models. Walmart.com is second in that business line to Amazon. So that was one of the reasons we're seeing such great success out of Walmart. So their operation on their tech side has been really good. I think when we come back, Danny, there's a lot of things that we can talk about but not only individual names, but Mark started to talk a little bit about earnings across the platform. I think we can talk about that as well. The difference is team technology and trust. We're going to talk about small business taxes. So if that's part of your world, you want to stick around for that. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, WTMJ. Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management for Saturday the 18th. Hey, guys, how's consumer confidence? I thought I read yesterday was off a little bit. It is off, but, I mean, you're talking about a number that's 126 versus 127. That is really irrelevant, in my opinion. The long-term average of consumer confidence as it's measured is about 94. So you're talking about a 30% increase in the long-term average of consumer confidence. That is significant, and where you're seeing that start to come out is in shopping, for example. We're starting, we talked about Walmart before the break. But the whole industry, Mark, is doing really well. Yeah, and you look at the other part of it. You look at things like sales to restaurants and dining, and those numbers are up. You're looking at baby boomers even that are cooking less at home. You look at those two lines of grocery stores and and restaurants, and, and the restaurants are catching up, and they're going to cross over at some point Said, in time. Mark, restaurant and bars was the number one category in that space, and I was wondering if you had anything to do with the bars part of moving <laughs> well, that number. I saw that one coming. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that's been going for a while, right? When gas prices were down, remember, yeah, all sure. of a sudden that was starting to well, come up a little bit, and that's held steady, huh? Yeah, you see this. Like in 2008, 2009, when we were going through the Great Recession, you looked at the way that people ate out. You, they went from the linen tables to the next tier down. So brands like Yum Brand, which is Kentucky Fried Chicken and Pizza Hut and all those kinds of companies, did better in that environment. So the consumer is really worth watching because it really impacts investments at the end of the day. You know, the other thing, too, is car sales. This is an interesting story. So Ford reported that they had their best quarter ever. The F-150 is off the charts. Stock is down. Why is that an $8 stock? Isn't that crazy? It doesn't. Some, some things aren't lined up. But in the auto business as well, we saw a lot of news from Mr. Elon Musk and Tesla this week. Danny, you, you, I know you love the guy, but I'm not sure well, what's happening to him. You know, you know people that love the cars. I mean, I, I'm fascinated by the guy, but it, he's, he's really kind of appearing a little bit unhinged. Well, it goes to the depth of the bench there. I mean, when you look at Elon Musk at the head of Tesla and everything else that's, that he's involved in, 
you look at those companies and you say, how deep is that bench? If something happens to him, what happens to a company like that that's trading at $300 a share? So you can look but at But by this. the way, 300 and, and well, we all know the story last week. He said he had a buyer at 420 which read 420 right, And for those of you right. who know, that's a, that's a funky number because you know there was some innuendo. He then said he has to take Ambien to sleep. So there is, there is a concern yeah, about no that doubt. as well, Mark. And it's, what, from what he said, it doesn't sound like he's asleep. He could fall over. You're right. Very well could, and, and we're not certainly predicting that, but it does go to the issue of individual company risk. When you look at a sector, we often talk about sectors. You can talk about the auto sector and Ford and Tesla. You can talk about retail sales. We talked about Walmart and Best Buy. But sometimes we look at these things as active management through a mutual fund or through an ETF because you get away from that issue of risk. If something happens to the head at Tesla, it doesn't impact an ETF as much as it does that individual stock. So we're talking a lot about the retail investor in GDP number, the measure of the economy in the United States is above 4% for the last quarter in for the year. For the last 12 months, it's over 3%, and we haven't seen it. You have to go all the way back to George Bush in 2005 to get a year-over-year reading of more than 3%. So GDP is growing, but there is also this confidence as well on the business level, which is the other third of the GDP measure, and we saw Boeing, for example, had another good quarter. Yeah, and surprisingly to some people because of the fact that it was part of the conversation about aluminum tariffs is how would Boeing do in an environment where there are tariffs on aluminum coming into the United States, and that has an impact. I mean, Boeing, when you look at it as one of the biggest holdings in the Dow, it has a big impact on what happens with that index on a daily basis. I believe it's the largest holding because of the fact that it's a price-weighted index. So it has the biggest effect on the Dow. So when the Dow was up 400 points on Thursday, a lot of it was because of Boeing. Up next, Mandy Nowashinsky, our tax planner, is going to talk about stuff for small business. Stick around for that. Also, unfortunately, if you're going through a divorce or if you know somebody that is going through a divorce, you'll want to hear Deanne Phillips. She's talking about divorce advocates. And guys, stick around because we're going to put you back to work. I want to put your planning hats on because we're going to answer some questions from Ask Annex, which is part of the axiom, which you should all be signed up for. You can do that at AnnexWealth.com. It's Money Talk and WTMJ. Spreading the wealth every Saturday. Here's more Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Ruh-roh. We're going to talk about taxes. Mandy Nowashinsky, tax planner, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. You know, I know nothing about what you do. I know. <laughs> and that's why I really like a good tax planner. The headline says, IRS issues proposed regulations on Section 199A, deduction for solos and pass-through businesses. What on earth does that mean? Yeah, so that's that new deduction that Congress put in place with the tax law changes for generally, you know, small business owners. Um, and it's kind of help offset the lower corporate rates. So, you know, big corporations used so to pay. They got that deal. Right, right. right. Okay, so so then, small businesses get this? Is that yes, how Yes, that that's okay. exactly kind of the logic behind this. But, you know, Congress wrote this deduction in 23, 25 pages. That's not enough for us tax people to interpret it and really apply it to real life situations. So the IRS issues this to help us interpret what Congress meant. Okay, let's go back on that. So IRS yeah. does something, but then they need to explain it. Congress does, the, does something. Okay, yeah. Congress did that. Does the explanation take longer than the actual... Oh, oh yeah. So it, Congress it, wrote 23 pages. IRS comes out in 184 pages. So what do tax 
professionals do it? Their eyes just glaze over or they just, you've got to digest it? Yeah, so my eyes glazed over when I started to read all of this. I'm like, oh, it's going to take a long time to digest it. This is the IRS's first pass at trying to explain this. There's going to be more. But this will happen for 2018 taxes, right? Exactly. So we are in the tax year in which this impacts. So people are trying to plan and make payments, tax payments, for something we're not sure about what the deduction truly is at this point. Probably not a good idea just to wait to see how it washes out no. next next year. Okay. Right, right, yeah. Okay. So how is this impacting small business? What this is, is it's essentially on a simplified way to explain it is a 20% deduction of your business income. You make a net 100000 a year from a business, say you're a self-employed individual selling widgets, yep. you get a $20,000 deduction to offset that income. So it lowers your taxes is essentially what it is, but there's a lot of parameters around that and who qualifies for it, what are your income levels, and you know, is there are you in the right service business? We have clients that this will impact. Yes, yes. So one of the concerns is if you're a self-employed individual who does anything, basically accountants, attorneys, you know, an investment person, anything where you're providing a service, not an actual good, but like a service, there's a lot more limitations. So if you have a higher income earner, you're going to be greatly limited in the amount of deduction you can take because the IRS is really looking to have this be applicable for those higher income earners if they're like in manufacturing or they're producing a product. How much digesting have you done of this? Do you understand it or is it just still, as you go, you got to learn more? As I go, I learn more. Um, You know, for those under the, the income limits that they're saying, the phase out, that this applies to if you're below that that's you know it's pretty simple mm-hmm. so and i think that's going to be a lot of people for an individual married couple if your income's below 315,000 you don't really have to worry about some of the minutia of this so that's for a lot of self-employed people who are maybe have a small side business you know you know like an online retailer say like somebody's got an etsy store yes so let's say that you know they're selling you know artwork or you know yeah. some product that they're making on etsy they net maybe five ten thousand a year this would be an additional deduction against that income and you know that's you know to help a lot of those small businesses because big corporations again they got their tax cut lower tax rate and this is to help balance that from a choice of entity standpoint how big can small business get that's a good question the irs puts limits on what they do define as small business and generally speaking you know they look at the amount of sales and below 10 million of sales generally a small business and to you and i 10 million of sales to us that's a lot but you know in the grand irs land that's small when they look at auditing they always have to determine where are they going to spend their audit dollars, and generally it's larger business. So do you find that most CPAs that you speak with have to alert their clients of that this is coming, and they need to take steps now? And w- what are those steps? Right. So really it's just having a conversation around a change is coming. Be aware that this change is coming. This is going to impact you. We don't exactly know how much. Really just having that conversation and letting people be aware that a change is coming for business owners and that we're planning along the way to help them. But we're still kind of right now, we're in the minutia of digesting all of this IRS language and making sure we know how it's going to impact our clients. So right now, there's probably not steps that they can take. Not right now. We're looking more probably towards the end of the year just to make sure people are structuring their businesses correctly after you know the IRS issued these regulations there'll be comments from the accounting community they'll come back make some tweaks and issue some more explanations and that like and then you know accountants us and CPAs and attorneys will help clients structure businesses appropriately 
So it won't be too late at the end of the year. Right. And that's, you know, we're already in August. So they oh just, my, said, you know, right. Thanks for the reminder. I, right. Yeah. So we're kind of already in the later part of the year. We were expecting these in June. Okay. IRS kind of issued them last week in August. So we still have a lot of digesting around this to do and a lot of planning. So if you're a small business owner out there, just know this change is coming. You're going to be impacted. Give your accountant a call. and We can kind of give you even an overview of how this impacts you. But most likely, you'll see lower taxes on your business. A couple of weeks ago, you talked about the tax holiday. I got a new pair of boots out of it. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I had a lot of people comment that, they, you know, they went shopping and got something for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mandy. Mandy Nowashinsky is our tax planner at Annex Wealth Management, part of the huge team talking about the proposed regulations, Section 199A, deduction for solos and pass-through business. It sounds complicated. It is. Yes. You guys are still digesting it, but you're on the team, so thank you for that. Thanks. A quick reminder from Annex Wealth Management. Do you have questions about money and finances? The Financial Planning Association of Wisconsin, along with Children's Community Health Plan, invite you to Milwaukee Financial Planning Day, Thursday, August 30th. You can speak one-on-one with a certified financial planner, absolutely free of charge. This is all happening at the Marquette University's Alumni Union. Milwaukee Financial Planning Day is a free event. Learn more at fpawi.org. That is fpawi.org. 1029 at WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. Looking for more information? We're as easy as the web. AnnexWealth.com is the website. Once you arrive there, you'll see in big letters it says, Know the Difference. It is team, it is technology, it is trust. You hit that green button that says Get a Plan, and we will line you up with a complimentary portfolio analysis. No obligation. You'll see how we work. It's just that easy. From simple investments to stock advice, back to Money Talk with Dane Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Back in the show, Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development. You are a CFP. You are also a CDFA, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. Correct. Right. Alphabet soup, Danny. You kind of get in the middle of a lot. Here's something to think about. There are actually technical, clinical, and human elements to divorce. This is ultimately a human experience, and it is a a traumatic one, not dissimilar to death. You know, we, we kind of categorize death, divorce, and disability in kind of the same framework because it requires quite a bit of change. And so when you're going through that change, it does require a team of experts who can assist with the different elements. I'm glad you added the human in there because it certainly can be technical. It's very clinical. It's unpleasant. It is very Um, unpleasant. But when you put the human factor in, I think that's where you figure in and that's where you're really strong. Well, thank you. I think so. Uh, You know, one of the main problem generators we see is someone trying to cut costs by having the attorney do everything. Obviously, they're very capable of doing technical, clinical, and human, but, you know, elements of the divorce. But it really goes back to having a team around the person to deal with those different aspects. I would have assumed that the attorney was the advocate. They're the advocate advocate on the legal end of it. But most attorneys are not financial people. They're law people. That's really what they understand. And while they might be versed in presenting financial findings in court, Many attorneys find more productivity in meetings that include that team, particularly that financial advocate. So now that is essentially, Danny, where a CDFA, a Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, can come in. When co- 
contemplating divorce, many people find themselves under that stress due to the human experience because they worry about their financial well-being afterwards. So it makes absolute sense to have a financial advocate on your side. They help by dividing your assets as a couple, and they present scenarios where they can project the present value of retirement assets. So let me break that down for you. Let's give you an example. So let's say one of the couple has a defined benefit pension plan, but they're years away from taking it, right? A lot of times, they don't even think about their retirement assets are so far off in the future. Maybe they're 401k because they're actively contributing, but what would happen is a CDFA would actually calculate the present, so today's 2018 value of that future amount and work it into the mix of the split of assets to help the split be more equitable. A CDFA could also look at valuations. You know, if you have a business and need, now they wouldn't do the business valuation, but they would work with the business valuation team also. And again, those present values, what is everything worth today? How easy is it to miss something? It's very, actually, because that's why it's worth it to have somebody advocating for you. And, you know, it's a little tricky here in the state of Wisconsin because Wisconsin is a marital property state. So... You need to know what your marital assets are. So there's actually an informal way. You know, we could just say, we're going to exchange a list of our assets and debts in a form of an affidavit and present it to the attorney. But then we have to make absolutely sure we know everything in our estate. And if we forget about, oh, those stock certificates in the safety deposit box, or, oh, yeah, I forgot that pension that I left behind because I only worked there a few years, that's stuff that can create not only inequality, but some hard feelings later on, of course. So if you're not sure about everything in the estate, then you want to go to a more formal level of discovery. And then, Danny, we would include interrogatories where each of us would have a lawyer as our own advocate, and we would attest under oath about our assets and liabilities and income in order to get a complete economic picture. Deanne Phillips is here. She is Director of Client Learning and Development. She's a CDFA, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. And we're talking about the technical, clinical, and human aspects of divorce and why you need an advocate. Do not think that if you're going to uh, cut costs by having one attorney represent both of you, they will not advocate for one over the other. So if it's a situation where you really want an advocate, you need to have your own attorney. It's the same thing with that financial neutral. Now, that can be a certified financial planner, although those are tend to be a little bit more of generalists. CFPs are really, really good, and they go through a lot of, of training to be able to look at things like insurance and investment, different types, employee benefits, right? A CDFA comes in. It's usually an adjunct to the CFP because they understand how to split those pensions. They listen to the client. They work on projections. So before you sign that divorce decree, you can ask a CDFA, really, am I going to run out of money in 24 months? What's this going to look like? They'll help you with your budgeting. Danny, let's say you went to a CDFA and you were going to run out of money. Go back to the negotiation table. Now, that's not to say if people who are listening out there might say, oh my gosh, I wish I'd known that that existed. It's still not too late because another huge problem we see are people have those pension plans like we talked about before. And those pension plans cannot just be split arbitrarily. There is a special legal document called a Qualified Domestic Relations Order, Quadro, that has to be drafted. And Danny, people say, oh, yeah, I've got that Quadro, but I've had cases in the last month where several people came in and their divorce was over 10 years old. And guess what? That defined benefit plan 
didn't even exist any longer. So the quadra was was not effective. And it's going to make it much harder for them to get their share of that money. They may have to go back to court. Sadly, if somebody's in this situation, how do they engage you to do this? It just so happens that I work with Mandy Nowashinsky on our divorce cases, and a CDFA is often a certified financial planner or a CPA. So Mandy and I are both CFPs. I'm the CDFA. She's the CPA. A CPA is another wonderful advocate you want to have, too, because they understand the new tax law and the implications. So that's important also. I had somebody come to me recently who said, oh, I'm fine because I got spousal support and I got it in this year so it won't be taxable. And I said, no, no, yes, it will. And they said, no, the tax law changed. Not for divorce, not for divorce until January 1st of next year. So you've got to have that team who knows the knows how it, it all works. And here at Annex, we have a team of over 70 people who help behind every client. In the particular divorce advocacy, you've got some experts uh, that have experience and training in that area who can really advocate for you. The technical, the clinical, the human, there's our human, Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CDFA, and a CFP here at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Watch your investments grow with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Money Talk Annex Wealth Management, Saturday the 18th. I'm Danny Clayton. Dave Spano is here, and so is Mark Oswald. And Axiom is our weekly newsletter. We work real hard on it. We're going to ask you to sign up for it because it's free, number one. And it's really in good information. And one of the things that we have is Ask Annex. we got a couple Ask Annex questions. The mailbag. Yeah, the mailbag. We've got nice an Ask job. Annex question for there you. There should be a song for that or something, Danny. Yeah, we got to have uh, some sort of a theme song, right? Exactly. We'll work on it. This is from Sally in New Berlin. I'm retiring soon, have a large lump sum payment option from my pension. In what case would I want to take the lump sum over the income stream? Most of my assets are in my 401k, and I have a small bank account. The guaranteed income stream from this would be nice. That's Sally in New Berlin. Well, there's a lot of questions that brings up, and that is a core part of what we do on a daily basis, Danny. It is the basics of the financial planning process is what do we have to work with and what are our expenses, and that's really where you start. And then you start to go in and say, all right, what do you have? And she mentioned that she has a 401k asset. Well, that's something that she can take control of and say, where do we invest that money? There's another part, and then there's a third part is the pension and the pension is you can either take it or leave it when you leave it you can turn on this faucet but there's a lot of questions that go in and it's kind of a smart Alec comment right but is you tell me how long you're gonna live and I'll tell you if the right. pension makes sense yep. or not and I know we, we all laugh when we ask that question that's a key part of the equation. There's no doubt because there's a break-even point, and that's what you're trying to determine. So for everybody, that's going to be different. What age are you retiring at? Where is the pension in terms of a 100% pension, or is it a 70% pension with a survivor benefit? Right. That's another decision that has to be and made. So let's explain that so the listeners get that. So you can so either get 100% of the payment, or you can take less, and why would you take less? Because you're insuring your spouse, uh, significant others. Let's say Danny had a pension. So Danny has an option. He retires today. He can take the maximum benefit, which says we will give you the maximum benefit, 100% of the benefit, for as long as you live. So just make up a number. So he's going to get $2,000 a month, for example. For example. What would be an alternative to that? Typically, you'd see 70% as a benefit. So you take instead of $2,000, you take $1,400 per month, and 
and then should something happen to Danny, then his wife would continue to get either that benefit or a slightly reduced benefit. In uh, Suzanne is on line one. <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> exactly. She's, is she going to live longer? Yeah, right. she's, if she's right. going to live longer than you, this. you just don't know that yet. So th- those are the pension options. But the other option that you mentioned, Dave, is the lump sum option. So let's say instead of $2,000 a month, they said you can have a half a million dollars. So I don't know what the math works out on that, but you would look at that and say at some point in time, at some age, the value of the stream of payments is equal to Mm $500,000 in present value. But what most people don't do is they say, let's say we took that $500,000 and invested it. So maybe you tap the 401k and let that pension asset continue to grow. So if you apply to 4 to 5 or 6% interest rates to that, it comes out to a different break-even point. But it is certainly part of financial planning. Hey, so there is a break-even point, and we do we calculate that. And so people come in and say, all right, this is my dilemma. Can you help me through it? We'll sit down, we'll do the math, and we'll show it to you. You're a smart guy. Danny, here, this is option A, this is option B, and maybe there's an option C. I want C, B, and A. Yeah, I mean, well, you want no, more. really. I mean, What's behind this the is, door number This D? is something that, that my I hear the options, and my head kind of spins a little bit. That's what financial planners do. They kind of break it down. It is, because you think about the other scenario. So let's say you take that 70% option, and you insure something for your wife, and she dies quickly after that. There's nothing left for the kids in that particular scenario. So sometimes the lump sum option makes more sense. So that's what we do. That's the way we think. If it sounds like a match with you, start it at AnnexWealth.com. And make sure to sign up for the Axiom, like Sally, hopefully in New Berlin, did. That's Ask Annex this week. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, WTMJ. Get professional help with your portfolio. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Ron Johnson is here. He's a CFP, Senior Financial Planner at Annex Wealth Management. Ron, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Danny. You wrote a great article that's in the latest edition of our newsletter called The Axiom, The Offense and Defense of Financial Planning. Let's start with offensive trenches, right? That's not the sexy place at all. If you think about it, in football, if you have a great offensive line, they can consistently move the ball for you. And when you think about financial planning, savings on a consistent basis will continue to move you forward to hitting your financial goals. There's really three components to your offensive line. Probably one of the more important ones is retirement savings. Your goal here is about 10 to 12 percent of your annual income should be going towards retirement. Where does that go, that, that 10 to 12 percent? Ideally, you're going into a 401k or you're receiving an employer match. Uh, if you don't have a 401k available to you, an IRA or a Roth IRA are great options as well. Second, you want to look at building a a taxable account for you called an emergency savings account. If something happens to your monthly cash flow, you have some savings to fall back on. Typically, we recommend here about three to six months worth of expenses be put away towards an emergency. How liquid does that need to be? It really should be fairly liquid, meaning uh, a money market, maybe a short-term investment. So far, we've talked about retirement savings, emergency savings. The next member of the offensive line is what? Uh, You want to start saving for other goals besides retirement too. So home ownership or or you want a, a fancy car, those are two big ones. We typically recommend saving or setting aside a little bit each month so you work towards those goals as well. Okay, so we got 10 to 12% of the gross into retirement savings. We're building up that emergency savings. Savings for other goals, how do you do that? You, you divert that as well? We like a very a consistent
consistent method. So maybe you're setting 5 or 10% of your income away automatically. After a while, you don't even notice it, and that's the goal. And discipline. You need the discipline for that. Yep. Just like the offensive line in football, you need to be consistent in executing this every month. What about skill positions? First of all, you have a quarterback, and that's really you. You're behind the offensive line, and you're looking at the other skilled positions, and and you're given input and direction. And the other skilled positions, what that really is, is your investment plan. So this is where you're going to employ an expert or a financial advisor, financial planner, to direct your savings to make it grow over time. That's a skilled position. It takes a lot expertise to make sure you have proper diversification, make sure your portfolio is working towards your goals. Ron Johnson is a CFP and Senior Financial Planner at Annex Wealth Management. He just wrote a great article that's in our Axiom, our weekly newsletter, called The Offense and Defense of Financial Planning, and that's what we are talking about. Let's move to defense. The way we look at it is the defensive line. This is an important part of reaching your goals, and this is going to be insurance. There are three things to consider here. The first one and very important that a lot of people don't consider is disability insurance. So if you get sick and you can't work, what's going to continue to pay the bills and support your family? We recommend 60 to 66% of your income covered by disability insurance. Next up is life insurance, right? Life insurance, of course, is important. Your goal here is if something happens to you, Danny, that you have enough life insurance that it replaces your income until retirement because your financial plan that you've built and you've put together is dependent on that income every year to pay the bills, to put away savings. So your family's dependent upon that and you want to replace that. Talking about the offense and defense of financial planning. We're into the defense and so far we talked about disability insurance, life insurance. Next up is kind of a triple. I lump it all into property and casualty insurance. So this is something that's going to protect you if an accident happens or if somebody gets hurt on your property, right? So a car accident or someone trips on your sidewalk, you need to make sure that you've got insurance that covers that liability. You mentioned umbrella coverage. How's that work? Yeah. So an umbrella coverage basically sits on top of your homeowners and your auto policy. In case you get sued, what your homeowner's policy doesn't cover, your umbrella policy can step in and pay the difference. Let's talk about the linebackers. Budgeting, right? Budgeting is a very important part of your defensive strategy. So there's lots of way to look at budgeting, and we got into some details in the article. You can look at from the top down. Basically, you put your saving strategy in place, and what's left is what you have to spend. The other option would be to look at how much you're spending at the grocery store, the gas station, and restaurants, total up, and just make sure it's not more than what's coming in. Do you have a favorite? I personally like the top-down approach. It's a lot less detailed. It's very easy to say, okay, I've saved this much already. My monthly cash flow left over is $6,000, and that's what I've got to spend. Let's move to the backfield, and it uh, led off by an estate plan. Typically in football, your defensive backfield can specialize in turnovers. Well, guess what? That's what your estate plan is designed to do. If you pass away to efficiently turn your assets over to your heirs, and you want to do this as efficient as possible, partly from a tax perspective, although it's become less and less relevant as a tax code has changed, but more of just keeping your family together and making sure everyone is happy and 
you don't have to put a lot of work into transferring your assets when you die. And this includes stuff like health care and financial power of attorney. Exactly. So you need those in place. If you're not able to make decisions for yourself, that you've made the decision on who's going to make those decisions for you. How about special teams? Are they important? Probably the most important player on, on your special teams is tax planning. So you've put all this stuff in place. Now you want to make sure that the decisions you're making, where you're saving, and how you're saving is tax efficient. That's where you consult another expert, a financial planner, a tax person, a tax planner, a CPA, to really give you some guidance. So Kind of the stuff we do here. Yes, exactly. The Offense and Defense of Financial Planning is an article that Ron Johnson wrote. It's in the brand new Axiom. Folks, if you don't have it, you should sign up for it today. Ron Johnson, our CFP and Senior Financial Planner at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, have a great day, Danny. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Scripps Media Incorporated.